Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, I am Jason Alexander here with Peter Tilden. We are the hosts of Really No Really, the show where we explore things that make Peter and I say, Really? really? No. no. Really? That's right. Now today we're we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get very cerebral, literally very cerebral, because we're talking about neurolinks, the connection between brains and tech. And tech. This, first of all, I'm so in over my head. You know I'm not a tech guy. Do you consider yourself a tech guy? I'm not, I'm not that much of a tech guy, but oddly enough, I was studying the blood-brain barrier and Parkinson's disease and stuff. Oh, and, and, hey, and, whoa, hey. Yeah, and, 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 and for like the longest time now, they're trying to identify the areas of the brain that satiation, because you can make a lot of money yeah. if you can do that and, and make people feel full. Sure, so, okay. yeah. And they've done great things with Parkinson's. They've done yeah. great things with epilepsy. Sure. And the doctor we're going to have on today, and I'm thrilled we have him because he's a major guy out of Philadelphia, has done great things with sight. I mean, the great positive parts of all this stuff is moving forward with people who are paralyzed. They're doing all kinds of stuff with spinal cord stimulation now, mm-hmm. which is mind-blower. And, and that by willing it, you can move your limbs. Where it gets a little bit crazy now is when you're connected directly to tech. You're the mouse, and you can text... You can do all kinds of stuff with your brain, play games. The heart-moving one was that an ALS patient who, who had no movement in his arms gave a message, and I forget, was it, oh, hello, hello world, because he could communicate yes. with her. So imagine yes. your family being able to communicate with you, et cetera. However, sure, the opposite a side of, is, uh, yeah, money involved. It. It's a two-way path, yes, yes. and if, if it can get signals from your brain into a computer, then obviously it can get from the computer into your so brain. So we wanted an expert on because right. Elon because Musk. Because I really know really to that. Yeah, go ahead. If I'm going to lay it out is we are closer than you think to being able to link your brain directly to your computer. Really? No, no really. So let's find out. We got uh, Dr. Danny Yosher, who is nationally recognized neurosurgeon, neuroscientist. He is the chair of the Department of Neurosurgery at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. 
Um, and he's folk. I, 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 you talk, you say hi and talk about your your expertise because there's so much that you've done. Not only working with these kind of interfaces. That's why we wanted you because I read an article. I read about a lot of experts, but you said I know the interface. I mean, I know what they're doing. Since you do this, you've seen brains up close. We were curious have, what your take was. So thanks for coming on. I have, well, thank you for having me. And, and uh, if you're going to get into something that's really elicits a really no really the human brain is it i mean you are spot on here um and this is a fascinating area and i think you've already alluded to the concerns that exist if we are able to really harness the power of the brain and interface it with computer technology to the betterment of human lives there are clearly important concerns about ethical considerations what if someone could make a chip that just made you smarter are we going to uh, pay for added intelligence? Will we be doing uh, cosmetic surgery for the brain, so to speak? The ethics of the potential for controlling people's brains? These are uh, big concerns, and, and uh, it's important not only for scientists to address these concerns, but concerned citizens like, like, like you to address these concerns. So I'm glad, I'm excited to have this conversation. I introduced this, Dr. Yusher, as saying we are closer than you think to being able to link your brain to your computer. Now, you know, for 20,000 years I've heard, you know, we're really close to having flying cars and there's no flying cars. How are we doing this? Are we in it? Is it, is it being used with any uh, real success and facility? Uh, how, where, where are we with it? Great question. Well, there are a couple of uses that are really happening, and, and your partner, uh, mention one of them, and that is the concept of deep brain stimulation for movement disorders like Parkinson's disease. That's sort of a magical situation, Parkinson's disease, because in the 1970s, some um, tainted uh, synthetic heroin caused a Parkinson-like syndrome in unfortunate patients who took this tainted drug called MPTP. And this led to an animal model of Parkinson's disease that allowed neuroscientists and neurosurgeons to really study the circuits with great precision. And they were able to determine that putting an electrode in a specific part of the brain and turning on activity in that part of the brain could dramatically ameliorate or improve tremors and other motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And that's been implanted in hundreds of thousands of patients to great benefit. So that's an example of a real-life brain-computer interfacing device that's used to help patients. Absolutely. There is another device that's in use commonly uh, for patients with epilepsy. If you can find the spot in the brain where epilepsy is coming from. Traditionally, we try to take out that spot of the brain to end future seizures. But sometimes that part of the brain is in a critical area. And as you can imagine, we don't want to take away, for example, a person's ability to talk just to cure their epilepsy. So another route to treat epilepsy is to put an electrode in that part of the brain where the seizures normally spontaneously occur. And there's a sensor in this device that detects when a seizure is about to happen and immediately then stimulates the brain to sort of short circuit the seizure. And that's quite effective in helping patients with epilepsy. So those are two examples of things we, those are flying cars that are happening right now, to borrow your words. Well, say, but, may, I say, may I say two yeah. sure. When you do brain surgery and you open up the skull, for you it's a, it's a thing, I, Wednesday I got three, five, Friday I got five. Brain surgery, they say it kind of like, yeah, we may have to do brain surgery, like it's nothing. Not like it's nothing, but 
it's not a concern as it comes out of their mouth. And parents or family members hear it, your hair goes like back like the yeah. Maxella, and you go, oh, it's, it's a major thing. Yeah. Is it a major thing? The brain, is, mm -hmm. is it that fragile? Modern brain surgery is remarkably safe. Um, we know what we can do very well. And of course, there are cases where we're pushing the limits of what we can do, where we're forced to because of really serious problems, that there's no choice, that they can't be ignored or put off. But for the most part, you know, we're, we're blessed to live in a time where between technology and, and gathered experience over decades, modern brain surgery, the, you know, the, the mortality from brain surgery is very, very low. And, and, and the good that it does for society is great. And Are you what, hitting the spot by hand or is it mechanical? I mean, do you have, because it's like, I'm guessing, boy, I got to hit that. I hope yeah, I'm, I hope I don't sneeze. I don't sneeze. Yeah, right. Exactly. Don't sneeze. Or, or uh, something. When, and all of a sudden it's always oh, motor skills are going. When, when we're targeting a specific area, like in the circuits, the motor circuits that are involved in Parkinson's disease, that's all computer guided and, and, and guided by math and technology. We're not doing that freehand. We're aiming for tiny targets using Patient precise awake. frames. Often awake, usually awake. It's actually oh, safer boy. awake. I'm out. And they feel I'm nothing. Out. They feel nothing, I'm right? Out. They feel I'm nothing. Out. One I'm of the out. great, I'll give you a really, no, <laughs> really. You know, you're thinking of Ray Liotta. You're thinking of Ray Liotta sitting at dinner with That's Anthony right. Hopkins. Ray Liotta with his head with the, off. He's sitting at dinner. His skull is gone. Right, right. And they're having spoonfuls of his brain, and he's having a he conversation. Is that real, by the way? Could that happen? I want to give you a really, no, really here, guys. You ready? Yeah. The brain has no feelings. There you go. If I, if I, I understand. No, if you pin, <laughs> if I pinch your hand, it hurts. If I pinch your brain, you feel nothing. Yeah, but to get to my brain, you got to cut through that's, my head. That's true. <laughs> that part you do what feel. Am I, what am I, remedial? This guy's trying to sell me a bag of... Okay, no, so that's... It, but it, it is remarkable, brain, though, that the, the brain itself has no, has no sensation. You can... You, you do not feel any pain. You feel pain, of course, when you cut the skin or the lining of the brain or the skull. But right. once you're down to the brain itself, there is no feeling. But is everybody's brain, I'll explain what I mean in a second, the same? Like, for instance, I, I'm left-handed. Is, is, is that control always in the same part of the brain, whether I'm left-handed or right-handed? Or, or is like, oh, this guy has his thing is in a different sector? No. Uh, are, are they identical? sector. What is it, Star Wars? <laughs> You're in a ship? I'm talking to a doctor. Would you please <laughs> don't be stupid. <laughs> there's a certain basic organization of the brain that's the same. But, of course, there's a lot of variation within that. So you're absolutely right that left-handed people have a high likelihood that the left side of their brain is, I'm sorry, the right side of their brain is dominant for oh, language versus, oh. we always yeah. check you twice, know, I promise, we never get a before you go tomorrow. <laughs> this is how my cousin look at, look at lost him. a leg. He's not, you know what he's thinking of right now? He's thinking, wait a minute, yesterday's surgery, did I do the left or did I do the right? So, and all the, all, like, if you cut Jason's head open to mine, my brain would be much bigger, correct? Um, there isn't a direct correlation with the size of the brain and intelligence, so even Thank if you're you. smarter oh, than Jason, you. your brain may not be bigger. So with brain, and when we get specifics, because I want to read some stuff, claims, not to knock him, but Elon Musk has said yeah. that they're doing, and I want to find out how close we are to that. But the last thing on the mapping the brain, when you're doing surgery, do we know what every area of the brain does? Are we so, at the point where you know every inch, every micro inch or whatever that is? We have a good understanding of the basic organization of the brain. And obviously there's a little variation from person to person, just as everyone has five fingers on their right hand, but everyone's right hand is a little different. So there is certainly some inherent variation. But do you know where the satiation center is, the, how yeah. to get to that yes. to, and, and to yes. make somebody not hungry? So there are satiety centers deep in the brain. And one of my colleagues here at Penn 
you just happened to mention an area where we have the world expert here is a, uh, a neurosurgeon named Casey Halpern, and he's actually doing surgery to try to control compulsive overeating by targeting a precise site in the brain and stimulating it when that urge to eat occurs that's normally uncontrollable in patients who have you know severe overeating disorders. Right. So yes, we do have a sense of where these areas wow. are. My particular interest, for example, is vision. And I can tell you with excellent uh, precision, I know what part of Jason's brain and your brain is the area of the brain that's critical for visual perception. Of course, there's a little variation in how each gyrus and sulcus is, is patterned in each brain, but yeah, we know the, the actual... Yeah, of course, yeah. may be different, yeah. 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 But, that's on the Seder plate. But, but that's what you've done. You, yeah. <laughs> you've, restored, so you've done surgeries that have restored people's We've sight. We've done and early it, yeah. efforts to restore sight for patients who have acquired blindness. I want to make it clear, and, and I think we have to be very honest about what we do. We're early on this stage. The flying cars analogy is a great analogy that Jason mentioned earlier. We don't want to constantly saying our cars are flying or to borrow from Elon Musk, self-driving until they really are. And, so, and right. all right, so let me, let me, I'm going back to just say, tell your colleague with the overeating, I booked a flight, I'll be there Thursday. So just make a note. You, that, let you, know if you tell me via this, I'll put a paperclip right in your ear, we'll do it right now. <laughs> so let me read a couple things that Elon Musk said, not to knock him or, or just to give context, because he's the one who's saying this stuff can be done. Musk claimed in human trials will begin in six months, yeah. but that's been for years. He's been saying human trials are going to start soon. He says as soon as it happens, he's going to have it linked to himself. Um, and he said that it's going to be part of the brain, and the person who gets fitted would not even know they got fitted. So you like you go into a place. But and Musk sit in a chair. is going to link it to himself for what? Just to goal? show here, because in Musk's mind, this is not what the doctor's doing to help people who are challenged or have problems. This is and to scale up because they're investing so much money and they're all investing. Bill Gates is investing. Peter Thiel is investing. All the Silicon Valley guys are racing to invest money to be ahead of this because we had talked about the metaverse. We talked about gaming. Engagement is what tech is all about. The longer you engage with tech, the more advertising, the more monetary things. So imagine if they can link you in 24 seven to gaming, to texting, whatever, and they have access. So that's what Musk is talking about, that it's not to help somebody and enhance. It's more about the whole pub, that everybody in the public would have it. He said he's aiming for brain implants that would be available to any consumer who wants one. And the other thing he said was his long-term plans, he thinks human brains need to be directly connected to phones, computers, and applications. You can run Google searches directly from your brain or can even imagine connecting to someone else's mind, seeing and hearing what that other person is doing, and this is the science fiction part of what he says. Musk says all this is part of a strategy to offset the fact that artificial intelligence one day is going to get so smart that it poses a threat to mankind. So we need to be linked to AI to fight the evil AI. Yeah. Wow. There we go. So doc, doc, you want to address that as far as linking, linking to each other, seeing what the other person can see, etc. How close? Let me give you a little context from the area I work in, which is in vision. And of course, it's Really interesting that you had William Shatner on, and obviously you guys are a little schooled in Star Trek. You remember the character uh, Jordy LaForge on Star Trek with the visual prosthetic device? So that, like like everything in, in, in art, there's a little bit of reality in that. And, and Gene Roddenberry, sure. the creator of Star Trek, was yep. aware of this phenomenon that we've known about for, for, for many decades, that even in a blind person, if you stimulate the visual part of the brain in the back of the head, even someone who has acquired blindness, who hasn't seen in 10, 20 years, 
you can make them see a spot of light. Because there's a precise map in the back of your brain. You asked me about the differences between people's brains. Your brains are both a little different. There is some individual variation. But each of you has precise maps in the back of your brain of the visual world. And the idea is we know the currency of the brain, the signals that go on in your brain between neurons. The currency is electricity. So we know if we can introduce electricity with great precision to those maps in your brain of the visual world, in theory, we can generate a pixel-based representation of the visual world. The idea is if someone's been blind for many years, their eyes are irreparably broken, we could use a camera that they could wear on a pair of glasses and attach that to a microcomputer and use that microcomputer to translate the image that is captured by the camera into a pattern of stimulation in your brain to create an image. So that, that, that is tantalizing. People have worked on it for many years. Gene Roddenberry knew about this work when he invented a visual prosthetic in his imagined world. What has people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and all the, 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 the great industrialists and leaders in the computer world excited is 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a great idea, but the technology was light years away. All of a sudden, with miniaturization and advanced engineering and advanced computers and microprocessors and artificial intelligence, what seemed to be a distant dream is probably not that far away. Wow. And scientists and physicians like me are very excited about harnessing this potential to help patients who suffer from diseases and impairments. You mentioned ALS and spinal cord injury for motor impairments or the inability to speak for victims of a stroke. There are people working on speech prosthetics. In my case, working on visual prosthetics for patients who are blind. But you're absolutely right that the, in the military, they're interested in developing interfaces to allow soldiers to communicate without speaking and, and work in unison. There is deep interest in the computer community and, and the meta community that you spoke of. I mean, it, 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 another example is in my world of visual science, which is the visual neuroscience, which is the study of how the brain takes images that are projected into the eyes and turns them into coherent percepts. A huge commercialization has developed, and that's the field of computer vision. So this business you saw in the newspapers where at Madison Square Garden, if you're a lawyer on the wrong list, they won't let you in the building. They're able to do that because they use computer vision to detect your face and say, person X is on the bad list. They can't come in the building. And that's an example of commercialization of science for purposes that some people might well take issue with. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters, the theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best 
lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. You were articulating about how what you're working on is very therapeutic for a lot of um, physical ailments like ALS and blindness and whatnot. I think I was reading something about, is there research being done on mental health issues and how this technology can help as well, PTSD or trauma, depression? What's, what's happening there? Drugs have done great things for patients with, with psychiatric disorders, but when you put a drug in a patient's body... That goes all over the entire body. It's being, it affects every cell in the body. And, and, and the dream is if we can understand the circuits that are particularly involved in a condition like obsessive compulsive disorder or depression, and we can target a device to just hit that part of the brain and alter the part of the brain that's working in a, in, in a way that's unhelpful to the patient's quality of life, but not mess up the rest of the brain, that's the dream. And so there's active research at many leading centers in the country to develop brain stimulation devices that will ameliorate these, these, you know, really terribly disabling disorders. And you don't use this for mild depression that's doing well on antidepressant right. meds. This right. is for the really. patients who, incapacitated. If, they don't, if we don't right. do something, yeah, I mean, they're, they're devastated. So absolutely, this is a big part of, uh, of the scene right now. So let me, let me, having understood all that, let me articulate what I think the average person's greatest fear about this is. If we can use technology to stimulate the brain, um, especially in the areas of mental health, where, where uh, one of the articles I read was that schizophrenia is potentially treated this way. It's what I said at the beginning of the show. It's a pathway in and a pathway out. So the, the fear that I think un, uneducated little guys like me go is if, I'm, if my brain can be stimulated by something in this computer technology, anything in technology, to my understanding, is potentially hackable. And if somebody hacked it, 
Are we in a position where I can be made to see things that do not exist? Is it the matrix? Can I be compelled to do things against my will? How potentially destructive or dangerous could this technology get? Right now you're safe because we're not that good. We uh, can't control your brain. So thank God you're safe for now. But in theory, and you're absolutely right, there are technologies that both involve gathering information from the brain. For example, a motor prosthetic in a patient who's paralyzed, we record the signals in the brain as the patient attempts to move an arm and translate that into moving a robotic arm. And that's an example of reading the brain. But we can also write into the brain. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to take a visual image, a picture captured by a camera and write that into the brain. So you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. There's both directions is active areas of research. Right now, I don't think you're at threat for mind control. To Jason's point, there's a, I don't know if you know the newer scientist, Raphael Yusti. Sure, Yusti? sure. In New York, oh, you know, okay, so he, yeah. he did an experiment which he could not only read from the visual center of mouse brain, but use the laser to make the animal perceive things that were not there. Absolutely. So that's that's pretty bold, yes. <laughs> it, it is bold, uh, but it and, and it is uh, certainly impressive. And he's a terrific scientist. But he said but he was concerned about that. It is. It, it is going to be a concern as the technology, as the capabilities evolve. Right now, we don't have to worry about it today, but uh, it will be a concern. Give me and a I date. Will tell if you, you had to pick a date, we like to worry. What's the date? Ten years, five years, twenty years, forty years. Uh, let's say uh, 20 years. We'll have to seriously Okay, and the other it. thing we're interested in, almost equally, is what, what, which company would you invest in right now? <laughs> <laughs> I will say none of this should happen in a vacuum. It's not like we're dropping these devices on the island in Lord of the Flies where there's no rules and everything runs wild. There has to be some, some safety nets, some organization, some ethical principles, and and to be fair, the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, as they invest in brain research, have also invested heavily in the ethics of brain research. So there's but this the other thing. Remember, the other thing, though, is these billionaires, and again, not to demonize them, but the big industry can also push back on regulations, get loopholes. You know, they're You're also right. the ones who move it that way, where it can be a little more, more dangerous. Well, we're them. dealing with, uh, we all know, you know, I heard AI is light years away from, and yet there's a reporter in the New York Times who had a conversation with the Bing chatbot, yeah. and the Bing chatbot going, I have thoughts that I don't like to share, <laughs> and I, I could do nefarious things. So he's right. Stop me from hurting myself. He I mean, only it, it seems like it leaped, you know, beyond anyone's expectation, and that's my concern about this. My other other concern is, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this. So one of the things we were talking about is um, one of your colleagues' work was helping someone with ALS um, basically move a cursor uh, with their with their mind. Core control a robotic and, arm. Yes, absolutely. Exactly, and yeah. that's exactly where I want to go because to me, the investment that I think would be valuable is making a human being, giving them back more of a human experience. So to me, if my brain can control something, I don't want to control the mouse with my mind. I want to control my robotic arm with my mind and manipulate the mouse. I would personally be frightened by being connected to that hackable piece of technology. Why, why not build these things. So it, so my, my, the, the thing I compare it to is there's now a device that diabetics can wear where it monitors their glucose level and self-administers yeah. insulin. They don't need to tie into a computer network. It's all autonomous on their body. Why? It, 
why wouldn't the research push more to that side than to the let's connect to the industry? Well, but there is a computer, side. even in the diabetes example, there's a little microprocessor in that device. So you're, you're, everything's hackable. Even if it's in your body, it's all hackable. I think when, when, when scientists like the ALS example you gave, when they're focused on a mouse, that's just because that's the incremental step. You start with something simple and then you work on a robotic arm, then you work on a, an Iron Man suit. And um, it's just oh, wait, simple. Is he all wait a sudden? minute, hang on. Is that a possibility, the Iron Man suit? Uh, of course it's a possibility, absolutely. Go, go, go forward. You know <laughs> what? Go with God. You know, you know, Musk has it already. You're way behind the curve. You just don't know. He's wow. So uh, let's go with the nitty gritty. I'm just curious. Uh -huh. Your day, you get up at five in the morning, you have some grapefruit. I'm guessing you're eating healthy because you're a doctor. At what, on surgical days, what's your earliest surgery? When do you open up the first well, head? We start at 7.30. That's pretty standard, oh unless it's God. an emergency. But we And how long now, because you're the guy, the big guy, head's already open? We, we're involved in every step of every operation. Oh, so you're the guy who cuts it. It's not uh, like, Louie, you take it and I'll come in? Uh, we're involved in every step. We you have residents okay. who work with us, but we're involved in every step of every How operation. long is the average brain surgery? Uh, average one is four to six hours, I would say. Woof. And then do you two multiples in a day? Yeah, you know, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Wow. What, wow. You, never, you never worked a 10-hour day? Not where I'm doing this. It's not, are you robotic, mostly robotic? We use a lot of robotic guidance, uh, computer guidance. So we have like a GPS system that tells us exactly where we are. So is that brain. you and an 18-year-old IT guy or...? No, no, we, we control the, uh, the, the GPS device. Just if you like, have a problem, you call the Best Buy, what do they call it, the Genius Squad? Uh, yeah, the Genius Squad. We call the Genius Squad. Hey, guys, guys, when the guy's brain is not working, you said we, the we, Wi-Fi is not going down. We have Geniuses and by the way, about in the hospital. That, we do this all the time with Zoom, et cetera, and I guess a lot of these services, we're not prepared for COVID for everybody doing stuff so the service can drop out or not. Do you have backup on Wi-Fi and Bluetooth? What happens if the we thing have, goes out? We have backup. We have backup. All oh, everything smiling, is smiling. Like, the implied that smiles, you Let me idiot. ask you this. If you were doing this in Los Angeles and there was a little bit of an earthquake, are you prepared for that? Is we, anything? <laughs> we are prepared. We are prepared. For wow. Oh, you're having a bad day. Wow. I don't know if you're married, but the wife says, Billy got drunk last night. It's going to cost us 20000 bucks. Does that affect your surgery? No or bad. Because it's robotic, not some. No bad days allowed. No bad no days, bad days wow. allowed. Wow. Honestly. I mean, uh, it's our job to, to put, put all that aside when we're working on a patient. That's the center of the universe at that moment. Right. That's not just me. That's everybody in the, in the business of neurosurgery. While you're in the sure. operating room, no bad days. You're working on the patient. What about hair restoration? Is anybody working on that? You know, anybody? it's funny you mentioned that. I had a colleague who, who, who passed away a couple of years ago, a guy named Phil Gildenberg, who he took the navigate the idea of the navigation device, the robotic arm device that we use in brain surgery, and and filed for a patent to use that same device to do hair transplant surgery. Have a robot and put in each follicle one at a time. So, oh, so uh, I'll be there. I'll be there a but, week. But, but <laughs> just like with satiation, they're racing to. If they could figure that out, that's another that's, the, the obesity thing and the hair thing were the two biggest as far as money. Is, I mean, yes, I would I would be a. Comp so I they have, have a different career. They, <laughs> they haven't found that center yet. Two where implants, they... <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm I'm George Clooney. <laughs> well, well, mm. what you you doubt me? No, you no, doubt no, me. no, absolutely. You're saying I could no, be you George been a Clooney. Yeah, you would have been. What is George Clooney you got been besides been nothing, hair nothing. and a waistline? Really, no, it's another have. episode of really, Please, no, really, really, really. You don't think I could be Danny Ocean? Excuse me a second, Laurie. If you can get Clooney on the phone, just to give us—he doesn't have to even call us. Just give us a list of the differences. 
What that is John Hamm? Well, I, mean, I, think the doctor, I think the doctor can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need Clooney to tell us that. Doctor, I know that you're busy. Like, so how annoyed are you right now that we're dragging this out because you're missing a patient? I know yeah. you got to be out in about a minute and a half. This is a pleasure. And to have smart guys oh. like you talking about these issues, it's, you know, to the intelligent lay people, it's really important. We don't want to just that be... That may not be talking. our audience. Well, that, that, don't assume. One that can only hope. Demographic. I will I say, one thing you I hit on that I thought was quite interesting was this idea of in medicine and in biomedical research, we're, we're, we're expected to report on results that are proven. And in the world of high-tech and commercialization, um, the problem that the fake it till you make it sort of culture, the culture yeah, of, right. of saying yep. we can do this, like, like Theranos, for example, is the most notorious example. I don't think those guys started out being dishonest. I think they were in this culture saying this is our dream and we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We need the investments. We're going to do this. We don't do that in, in hospital and biomedical research. There are lives at stake and we cannot and we will not do that. Thanks for coming on. So 10 years. We're 10 years away from that. Um, do you have a he surgery? He said twenty. He said twenty. Oh, he said ten. Cut it in here. Um, <laughs> you have a surgery plan right after us? Uh, just have clinic today. No, sir. Yesterday was my right, big wash surgery. Wash your hands. Day. Wash your hands. <laughs> Very clean. There you go. You're great. You're a great guy. Thanks for playing, but also thanks for being. So, what you do is amazing work there in my hometown. We'd town, love so. to have dinner with you. I hope to never see you on a professional level. That's all I'm going to say. You're a you genius. You wouldn't know it. You'd be I like, just don't want to need your service because I'll be the first guy. He touches the brain. I go, Al, feel it. Feel it. You know what? I'm feeling it. You wouldn't know it. You'd be like Ray Liotta. We'll be having dinner with him out there. And the top I could be Ray Liotta if I had that surgery. <laughs> oh, me. Rest in peace. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Well, that was fascinating. 
I was fascinated by all of that. I cannot say yet, and I, I believe everything he said, I'm not exactly at ease about the whole. <laughs> David Guggelheim, what did we learn that we didn't learn? What do you got for us? Let's, yes, well, I have to fact check this uh, doctor. He doesn't know. No, uh, oh. every, every, <laughs> everything was great. The one thing that I wanted to get to was something that was described in Business Insider, how the Neuralink, the Elon Musk company, how they plan to implant these things into your head it would be inserted into the brain by a device not dissimilar to a sewing machine, which would use a stiff needle to poke the threads into place about one millimeter into the outer surface of the brain or the cortex. So you could go to a place and say, I need this put in and I need, I need my and pants back by three o'clock. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I knew exactly where you were going. I knew exactly. And that would be an amazing technology. we were late. <laughs> that would be amazing technology. Wouldn't it be your pants and your brain done at the same place? Well, remember, David, what we said, Mr. Guggenheim, that there is yes. a, and they all do it. There is a level of hype, even in the scientific world, because they need it to cut through the noise. So when you see, if you're, if you work in news like I did every day, the ones that get pushed out are the ones that are a little bit more dramatic. Right, sure. Um, you like to think that they're being honorable and they're being, uh, you know, like he said, that in the scientific community, they don't BS. But there's hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars being invested in Silicon Valley now because they think this is the next frontier. But, uh, you know, uh, also your, your brain is the last place with brain hacking, like you said, with privacy. They download your neural file. It's somewhere, and somebody uploads your neural file, and they got your thoughts. Listen, th this whole thing, uh, I, I totally understand the, the benefits of being able to use this technology to vastly improve people's lives. I could even see, honestly, that it could be an exciting way for people to have experiences they could not otherwise afford or be able to do. If you can imagine, if you can, if you can input in and stimulate sight, sound, taste, all that stuff, and use it to say to somebody, all right, you're, you're going to travel today. You're going to go to this place and have a complete sensory understanding of that place. Um, I think that could be exciting. I, I think that, By the way, that's I, I think called the metaverse. All, that's what it is. Yeah, I think there's all kinds of potential. That, that's exciting. actually called Total Recall. That's right. a total, yeah, exactly. Schwarzenegger movie right, or right. Total Recall. But, you know, yeah. th there are things that I, I think as we move forward are, are going to excite the imagination of how to use this. But... I just, to me, the whole world is Skynet. I keep seeing somebody nefariously using this technology to implant um, a, a, a reality that doesn't exist. And all of a sudden you're for, picking up rocks and piling them. And you, saying, bet, you know what I think? You're sitting in goo like Keanu Reeves, you know, you know my, and the you machine know my... is sucking off of you for, for nutrition. I, it, it's sucking just, off of you. So here's it, my final word. Ready? Here's what I think. If they can download you neurally, I'll be canceled. For something I didn't even know I was thinking. They go, how dare you? I go, what? We downloaded you neurally, and you can't believe what you were in there. It was, you said, I didn't say that. Oh, it was in there. And wow. all of a sudden, yeah, wow. wow. No, you're right. Then it's thought, please, and it's all that other stuff. How many and times, we're there. Yeah, and we're how there. many times have you thought? The good oh, thing is, the good thing is with the two of us, not a lot of thoughts, so they yeah. would probably. Right now, today, <laughs> if you could interface you with me. the yeah. technology that you use, you use most often, just by no, having a link in your I use it more than you. Go ahead. Yeah, just by having oh an my god, it'd be in great. Head, it would be great. You would do it. It's just it's t it's one step up for the wireless earbuds. I boy, you. I can now check my. I could check my my Amazon purchases without having to do. 
Why didn't that arrive? I ordered that Thursday. Oh, my you, God, yes. You could oh, yes. get me yes. to I'm a busy guy. in a gazillion I know, years. but we can't get you to do a lot of tech stuff. Well, that's true. You got a dumb house. Remember, we talked about that episode. You don't I like don't to have connect a dumb house. I have a human house. Oh, oh, damnation to all of us that have tech and no, use it. No, I have a human house. I don't rely on technology to do a lot of the things that people rely on it Which for. Which is why I don't need a refrigerator to tell the supermarket what I need. I can open the door and make a list and, you know... By the way, Phone uh, at your house last get. time, nothing to eat. There was nothing good to eat. So maybe you should use, maybe you should double think that. Well, you know, you make fun. You go ahead and make fun. I'm telling you, this is a scary technology. Really? No, really. Really? No, really. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. We want to thank Dr. Daniel Yosher. A beautifully nationally recognized neurosurgeon and neuroscientist. Beautifully, right? Beautifully. Beautifully. I'm like, I'm like Trump. I had words. He was amazing. He, <laughs> he was, was wonderful. He's also the chair You're of the amazing. Department of Neurosurgery in the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. You can follow Dr. Yosher and uh, his mind-boggling work on Twitter at Daniel Yosher. You can find us online at reallynoreally.com. Instagram and TikTok, we're at Really No Really Podcast. Uh, you can leave us messages anywhere or those places. Tell us one of your Really No Reallys. Maybe we'll do it on the show. We want to thank all of you. If you're watching us on YouTube, please subscribe and rate us. And then uh, we also want to tell you that we will be dropping new episodes every Tuesday, so should be sure to follow us on the iHeartRadio app, the Apple app, or wherever you get your podcast we'll see you soon thanks for watching and uh i'm severing the link right now here we go and <laughs> severed hey everyone this is molly and matt and we're the hosts of grown-up stuff how to adult a podcast from ruby studio and iheart podcasts it's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.